Genre. Doctor's Companion presents Doctor Who The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Carilli, and I'm sorry this episode is so late. Totally my fault. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I I cringed when you said weekly. I was like, Um, oh, that's right. (laughs) Whoops. You know, close enough. So uh, today on the show, we are wrapping up our first round of... uh, First round of uh, the long way round, um, and uh, with the, with the eleventh hour, the first eleventh Doctor story, our last regeneration story. Well, post our last post regeneration story, our last post regeneration story. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and I, I have I have way more thoughts about it than I thought I would. Me too. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of excited to talk about it. Uh, it's it is the first episode, obviously, of the uh, Stephen Moffat era. So it's it's written by Stephen Moffat. It's directed by Adam Smith. Um, no relation Adam to Matt Smith. Smith. No, Adam Smith, who uh, went on to direct Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. Um, so those are, uh, those are his two, uh, his two stories that he's done. Uh, he also directed four episodes of Skins, so that's where he came from before this. Um, and he, he sort of, uh, despite only directing two stories, he sort of created the tone and the look of the Moffat era. Yeah, it almost it almost bums me out to know that those are the only episodes that he directed after this because I'm not a particular fan of of either of those episodes, but like this is this is mm-hmm. this is spectacular. Mm-hmm. I love this so much more than I remember loving it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, as a as a there there are a few things in it though. I do have nitpicks that I think I've never really noticed before. Uh, that I'm I'm interested to talk about, especially, you know, rewatching it now with the entire Matt Smith era over. You know, right. we, the whole thing is behind us now, and so we can look back at this story and see the things that they were setting up, and you know how how well do we think that these things got paid off? So, a lot of things. What 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 did you uh, what was what was your sort of thoughts revisiting this cast? Um. I've seen this story at least 10 times at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one. Same. Yeah, it's the one. It's like my go-to. Like when Doctor Who was getting really big, this was the episode that I'd show people. Um, yeah. Because like, I mean, it's the start of a new era. So you kind of like launch into it and be like, okay, so if you like this, you should go back and watch this. And then we'll 
continue on with this crazy guy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really, this is like one of my top 10 Matt Smith episodes, honestly. So it was nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, and I, and I, I guess, you know, right off the bat, the thing that I noticed was one, unlike David Tennant, who as the doctor, you know, was forced to be a slow burn in his first episode Mm -hmm. because of the nature of the story of him being asleep. Most of the, most of the episode. And then, and then he like literally comes through the door swinging. Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, Matt Smith, like he just owned this role so quickly. And what I noticed this time was like, the youthful exuberance that he has in this story and this like kind, like sort of, he has like a real like sweetness to him mm-hmm. that kind of melted away. Like, I feel like by the time you get to time of the doctor, I mean, he's both literally and figuratively a crotchety old man, <laughs> which, which, which actually makes the transition to, to Capaldi, um, make more sense. Like looking at the way he acts in 11th hour compared to the way he acts in time of the doctor, it's like, Oh, now suddenly it makes sense. Why Capaldi was next. Mm-hmm. He just goes through so much stuff. Yeah, he really does that. I mean, that's the one thing, you know, like it, not, not all of it works. Um, and I would argue a lot of it doesn't, <laughs> but but Moffat really put his first doctor through the ringer mm-hmm. um, in a way that really changed the character immensely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I, I don't, I, and I think that, you know, there are positives and negatives to that, but I do think I respect what Moffat did with the character just because, you know, he was like, look, I got all these ideas. Not all of them are going to work. Like I would rather that than the wheel spinning that went on in the middle of classic who, you know? Yeah. Where it was just the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about in this one. Um, I do want to, I, I figure we'll just kind of go through it uh, as the, as like sort of as the episode unfolded, but um I the first thing that I want to say, and this is something I've literally never note. I've never really put my finger on before. But okay, so do you remember? So in in Star Wars, in the first Star Wars movie, yeah. Before the special editions, have either of you seen the version of of the original Star Wars without this? Without yeah, of course prior or prior to yes. special edition, yeah. Cass, have you? Um, not in a really, really long time. Okay. So you know how in the special edition they added that scene of Han Solo talking to Jabba the Hutt? Yes. Yeah. Right? So there's that scene and they're they're in front of the Falcon and they're talking he's talking to Jabba the Hutt and it's and it's this whole thing and it's terrible CGI and it's <laughs> it's a it's a stupid scene and it's it's dumb. It doesn't belong there. But the thing the thing that it. Yeah, it's a really dumb scene. But the thing that is so offensive about that scene is the fact that we see the Millennium Falcon in that scene prior to the scene 
in which it, the Millennium Falcon is revealed. Oh, so there, yeah. So there's there's a scene right after that where Luke sees the Millennium Falcon for the first time, and it's this big reveal of the Millennium Falcon, and then it's undercut by Luke saying, "What, what a piece a- of junk!" Right. <laughs> yeah. And and but. The problem is that that reveal is totally – the wind is totally taken out of the sails of that reveal because we had that stupid scene with Jabba the Hutt where we saw the Falcon in the background. So that is all I could think about in the opening scene of the 11th hour because we get this scene where the where the TARDIS is crashing and Matt Smith is hanging out the side. Saying, saying nothing. Saying nothing, and then he climbs in and shuts the door and sighs, and then you cut to the thing. And it's just a cold open. Right. But it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't do anything. We already know he's crashing because he said that he, they were crashing at the end of End of Time, right mm-hmm. after he regenerates. So we know where we left him off. We don't need to see him hanging out. At the, all of this is like – it's expensive and it's pointless. Like there's no reason for it to be there. And then – the worst of all is that when the TARDIS crash lands in Amelia Pond's garden and she goes out there, we get that amazing reveal where the doors pop open. There's smoke. The the he, the the rope with the claw flings out and then he climbs slowly like one arm at a time, climbs out of the TARDIS and pops his head out and asks for an apple. And – it's the most – it would be the most amazing reveal of a doctor, of a new doctor, <laughs> if it hadn't been for the stupid cold open. That doesn't do anything but take away from that moment. Yeah, oh. just like an all-encompassing, like, this is this new doctor. Yes. Like, that shot being the first you see of our new doctor, like, since the initial regeneration mm-hmm. – like four months ago, it would be incredible. Like that would that would have been such a more like profoundly iconic. like iconic moment. And it's already an iconic moment, but it would have been so much better had it not had the episode not had that cold open. Yeah, if it had just opened with like the silhouette of a TARDIS flight against flying against like the moon. Well, no, 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 not even that. Just just open on the garden and 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 Amelia praying to Santa. Oh, do you like, not see that? Okay, for some reason I remember there being a little shot of the falling TARDIS at night. Oh, was there? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I didn't think so. You just a pan across the garden, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, with uh, with with her in uh, like off camera, like voiceover, sort of <laughs> pre lap, whatever. Um, dear Heavenly Father. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dear Santa. Uh, I'm Karen sneeze. <laughs> I yeah so like I love it as a reveal and like just the idea that you know oh god it's just it's such a waste of opportunity because you have this little girl praying to Santa which is the most adorable way to take religion out of prayer like it's just cuz it's such an innocent thing like where you can just tell that Moffat was like I wanted her to be praying but I don't want it to be religious and I don't know how to make a prayer not religious dear creator yeah and, and and then her just asking Santa for a police officer what does she say she says 
I, I, I just I'm, – I'm scared of the crack of my wall and I, if you could just send a, pol- a, a, a police officer or a something else yeah, or – Yeah, you could uh, send somebody like a policeman or something. She says two things and then the third thing – the third unsaid thing is a doctor. Warmonger. I forget what the other thing was, but, but, uh, but yeah, like, like, and then, and then you just hear the TARDIS noise, like, oh God, it's so iconic. And to say nothing of the fact that if you hear the TARDIS noise, then what did the cold open mean at all? If he's crashing in London, (laughs) like, like he's physically crashing in the cold open. The TARDIS is like crash. It, 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 it land peacefully. Apparently, but if it, if it's going to crash, then why not just? I don't know. No, like, I'm agreeing I, with just, you. I'm, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know, but I, I just I really love that opening, um, the opening of the actual episode. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just I want to wipe the cold open out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> I really just want to pretend it doesn't happen because it would be such a cleaner opening even if you wanted to open with the garden and then the santa and then he comes out and then the reveal and he says can, can i have an apple and then like yeah like it would be that like that would be even fine if you needed a cold open like it's just it was just, like I just watched the cold open. I'm like, what a waste of money! Like, mm-hmm. what a waste of thousands of dollars. Probably tens of thousands of dollars, and just just wasted, like for no reason, because it does nothing for the episode. It probably took yeah. like two Matt Smiths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably did. I two agree with um, you, um, but I think like looking at. Matt Smith's tenure and like Moffat still, who's you know the head writer still. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of like, like it, it's kind of like Moffat's like whole thing like compressed into like five minutes because you mm-hmm. have like the big flashy like why is this happening and then you have this really solid, really cool and iconic thing afterward. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It kind of to me it like kind of. Like that first, like the the cold open, and then like where we meet Amelia is like very, very Stephen Moffat. Like the two, mm-hmm. like his yeah. poles the or juxtapose. whatever. Yeah, yeah, that certainly makes sense. Um, I kind I, of love so much makes sense. Like I, I was watching the opening moments of this episode, you know, after like, can I have an apple? And like, oh my god! I was like, it hit me. His first ever interaction is with a child. Hmm. Like that. That probably had such a profound effect on him. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, the episode ends with that line of her just being like, "I thought you, I, I just thought you were a madman with a box," and he says, "Oh, I'm definitely a madman with a box," and I just think about the phrase "madman with a box." And how similar it is to the cat in the hat. Yeah. Oh. And I, yeah. And I just, I'm just like, oh, the like that was box. always what it was. Like, and we, we've talked, we've called Matt Smith, like sort of the cat in the hat doctor, um, because he shows up, tries to be fun and ruins everything. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, 
you know, that I, I it's interesting because like that's that was him from Go, you know? Like that was that was sort of it seemed to be that was the pitch. Like that was Moffat's idea of of the eleventh doctor. Um because that's I've, that's very thematic, like that the, yeah. the ending of this, and just being like, I'm definitely a madman with a box, and it's like, oh, that's who this guy is. That's Moffat's view of the Doctor, or at least now, let's go save a star whale, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, like, I, I think that's cool, um, and I, I appreciate it. It's like it doesn't always work, mm-hmm. but when it does, it really does work like Gangbusters. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and that's that's one of the things that I, I feel like Moffat doesn't get enough credit for because, yeah, he makes a lot of mistakes, like a lot of mistakes. Yeah. But the highs are so high. I mean, like, I they're so high. I mean, I think now that I've seen all of them, hello, by the way, I think that this is the strongest post-regeneration story. Oh, hands down, I think. Yeah. Hands down. I think it's this and then uh, probably um, Spearhead, mm-hmm. I would say. I'd say those are the two strongest ones. What would you say, Cass? Um, Spearhead, definitely. If this isn't the strongest, it's definitely one of my favorites. Like, mm-hmm. I want to watch Deep Breath again. <laughs> do you? I do. <laughs> Oh, should we just should we just continue on and start recovering the twelfth doctor? Sure, I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs> anything anything to stop us from going back to the first doctor again, right? <laughs> oh, no, I'm, not, I'm excited to see the other the old frumpy ones again. I just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. One thing I noticed, I think this time, and, and I think I'd, I'd always, it, it had always bothered me, but I'd never really, I, I guess, put my finger on why. Um, but the girl, and, and I know she's like, she's her niece, but like the girl that's playing Amelia, I don't, I don't in any way buy her as Amy. <laughs> really? Why? I, be, she's lacking. She's lacking a an energy, like gum, a gumption, a gumption. Yeah, because like, because like he says that thing where it's like, oh yeah, you know, like madman with a box, like, like fell in your thing and you feed him and you cook for him and you're not you're not scared of anything. And I was like, I was like, yeah, it would have been nice if she had sort of that, you know, those those little girls who just have that like, like an Eloise. That, that, well, no, 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 no. Like that, that attitude, yeah. that thing where you're just like, where like this little girl, this little eight year old girl will just like look you up and down and just be like, you ain't much. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, whoa, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, like I just, I feel like that's what's missing from Amelia mm-hmm. um, for me to make the connection that this is the same character. And I know that she's been through some stuff. You know, she's been she's been told she's crazy by like four different psychiatrists, yeah. right? Um, because of this guy down the line, right? But I feel like that's not enough to build a core of her personality. I feel like that attitude that Amy has would have been there from the beginning, and and so it just feels like there's something she's almost too innocent. I think, mm-hmm. which is too. Just there. 
she's too childish. Like I, I, I feel like Amy as a little girl would be one of those little girls who tries to act big all the time. I want to see she's almost acting kind of more like a young Rory. Kind of. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um So the doctor but, uh, try on foods, trying remains delightful. Uh, the food montage is really fun. It's still really fun. And I and I like it as an explanation of how regeneration works. Like an establishment yeah. of like this guy has no idea what he is. Like he doesn't even know what kind of food he likes because his taste buds are different. Yeah. And it, and it, I love how quickly he explains it. Like new stomach, mm-hmm. new rules. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm good. I don't need to hear about. Right. You know, and, any- he, and, and, and Amelia's asks like, like, you know, who are you? And he's like, I don't know. I'm still cooking. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just, I love, I love how. Like this episode feels like something that Moffat has had inside him for like twenty years. Yeah, that like finally, finally came I get out. To, yeah. I finally get to tell my story, my regeneration story. Right. And I, I just I really like that. Uh that that vibe about it. You mm-hmm. know? Um, I also I like really that cool. like he's more like there's not as much like because you know how in post regeneration stories, like they're either like knocked out or like completely crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like he took the best of both of those things. Like he, there's like moments where he's just like, ah, you know, like, you know, he like doubles over in pain or whatever, but he like, it. it's not, he doesn't like languish, you know, like <laughs> he doesn't make himself someone's responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Tenant. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he almost, uh, he almost builds it. He almost builds it into, uh, the 11th doctor's like portrayal a little bit where it's just like, he never, he never quite got to rest, and so he's a little crazier than all the other doctors. Like, <laughs> you know, like he's really like, like like his brain never settled. Like he never yeah. settled into this new yeah. body. He never, so, he never had time for a nap. Yeah, he's <laughs> always on the move, and he's always working, and always crazy. Uh, and I, and I, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I really do. I like that because even when he got to Capaldi, even Capaldi spent the whole episode napping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, off and on. Like the old man that he is. Napping and moping. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Rapping I love the food dinosaur. montage. You know, it's funny. Uh, watching this, you know what doesn't really work anymore? <laughs> now, now, like, now, you know, we're five years out of this. His hair? At this point. No, the oh. crack. Oh. <laughs> the, the crack is really dumb. Aww. It's really, I don't really like it. I like don't, dumb I don't looking really, or like the idea of it? The idea of it. And like I don't feel like it paid off – it pays off very well, you know? Like I, I, like ultimately like what is the crack? Like it, it's, it's – yeah. It's, it's the plot, Scott. Yeah. I mean like eventually <laughs> like it even does this thing where you think that it's tied up at the end of this season and then suddenly in time of the doctor, the crack is back and gives oh, him yeah. his new set of regeneration. And so it's it's like uh, so the crack is like Gallifrey like missing and trying to get in contact with him. Then why is there a prison behind the crack? And it just it all becomes very apparent that Moffat was just thinking of cool stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 trying to roll with the cool stuff. Uh, and and I think that ultimately he stuck the landing. I really do, but like by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> 
I don't remember. It's been too long since I saw Time of the Doctor, but I don't. I don't remember. I remember walking away from it satisfied. Yeah, and being like, "He's dead." Yeah, it's it's a it's really solid. It's I I really like that. I think it got a bum rap for most people. I didn't. But like I think it. most people, you didn't like it. No, we, we we've gone over this. Yeah, we yeah. talked, but but like I don't know. I forgot the crack came back, but the <laughs> crack came back. I, I like the way, yeah, like, because I feel like they, he handled it pretty good in the first season, but that's a lot of my, my complaint with Moffat is he doesn't know when to let things rest. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, like every single villain that he's brought back and, you know, letting the pawns leave and it says like he has a good idea, but he just like beats the crap out of it until it's not a good de- idea anymore. Um, mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's certainly the case, although you could make an argument because, I mean, you could make the argument that he's just being a responsible showrunner and not showing his cards and the cards being BBC telling him he has to keep the pawns around and he has to use the angels again. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like being the president, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes you're not allowed to show those cards. Like it's, uh, you know, out of out of respect of your job and it's that's just a true. responsible thing to do or whatever. So, so I mean, you know, for all we know, like, yeah, we're saying that all these things are his fault, but he could just be like taking credit for stuff that he knows. But is the crack is hella dumb. Yeah, I, the I crack think we're on is, the same page with the crack being really dumb. <laughs> I think the crack is dumb. Yeah, I don't think it works. Um, well, especially does it? I mean, it works fine in this episode. It's it's when you add it. You know, knowing what you know about Time of the Doctor and, you know, season one in general. Season five in general. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, and the rest of season one, I guess. Um, Like. You, you, season five. You're, season. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. My brain was like 11th Doctor season one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Okay, fair enough. Um, um, yeah. yeah I, I, I think the mistake, like, I think it's a cool idea for this one episode. It's the fact that, like, it became a season long arc was really silly mm-hmm. and doesn't really work for me at all. And, and it's then, such a moffity thing. It's like, Oh, the crack, the nursery rhyme and it's everywhere. What does it mean? Right. Is it a zoo? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then, you know, and then it comes back at the very, very end. It's, I don't know. It's silly. Um, same thing with silence will fall. I mean, I don't even I, want to it, think it, about that. It's really strange to me that silence will fall is in the eleventh hour, and I just want to go back in time because you know Moffat would never admit this. Now I want to go back in time, and I want to talk to. I want to be on the board where Moffat has to explain what silence will fall means, <laughs> so so that I can know for sure whether it was just something that sounded cool. <laughs> or if he knew that he, in his very first episode he was going to set up the Eleventh Doctor's regeneration story. If he knew – like maybe he didn't even know what Silence Will Fall meant, but he knew that it had to do with the the whatever the Eleventh Doctor's final story was going to be. Because isn't it revealed that the Silence isn't that race of aliens? It's like a, an organization? Right. It's an or, it's an organization, and then even the organization that we think it is in season six, it mm-hmm. turns out it's a different organization in time of the Doctor. 
So starting to agree with Cass. Because I think <laughs> I think I mean honestly, honestly, guys, I think the thing with Time of the Doctor is like if you ignore his first drafts of those things in the <laughs> earlier seasons, I feel like I feel like he just realized like, oh, what if Silence Will Fall had actually meant this? And he's like, you know what? Now it does. Type, 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 type. You know, I'm what, if the crack, what if the crack had actually been Gallifrey? That's way cooler than what I did before. You know what? <laughs> now it is. Type, 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 type. Oh, my God. <laughs> Screw like, it. I, I just feel like he was like, he was like, you know, like, I, I, I the None last ones real. weren't so good. Like, the last ones weren't so good. None of this was real. Well, I'm just going to do it again. Because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I and I I don't know, and I think like when taken as a whole, time of the doctor doesn't really work. But when when I just think about it in how, vague terms, how it made like, it feel, yeah, and how the eleventh how the eleventh doctor's tenure went in like broad strokes, it works for me. Mm-hmm. I, I I really like um, Matt Smith's performance in that episode. That too, um, but yeah, we're not talking about that episode. Darren Gill's wig. <laughs> Uh yeah I um I love the back in five minutes turning into twelve years thing mm-hmm. like I think that's a really cool way of setting up a companion you know and using time travel to your advantage which was something that Moffat has always been good at right um I really like that I will say it's really weird watching Arthur Darvill as Rory now because hmm. I'm thinking so about yeah I'm so used to him on Legends of Tomorrow where he's <laughs> Where he's this totally different character, like he's this like kind of Indiana Jones meets Doctor Who character. Um, All right, on, I'm uh, watching that on, show now. <laughs> oh, you that it? I mean, he's he, he's literally he's like they're not called Time Lords; they're called Time something else. Kings. I forget. They're 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 <laughs> called. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Um, but uh. Yeah, and he's just such a totally different, like really confident kind of character on Legends of Tomorrow that it's it's distracting now seeing him as Rory. Like it's just it's so <laughs> weird now. Um I'll probably but, be watching that sooner than later. Yeah. No, I mean it's excellent. It's a really good show. Yeah, I'm catching up. Yeah. It's a really good show. Cassandra, um, I just finished season two of Arrow. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I have not watched Arrow. I haven't watched any of that DC <laughs> stuff. Yeah, um, I can't find the phrasing on Wikipedia. Isn't using the exact phrasing, and it's driving me crazy. He's a time lord. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he's basically a time lord. Like it's literally like he's in front of a at the opening of the episode. Like he's he's in front of a. Uh, tribunal or whatever of just like all of these time dudes like standing around the time That's masters time masters oh my um, god yeah they're the time masters <laughs> and he's just standing around like this tribunal of time masters and they're all telling him how he can't futz with the timeline um the way that he's been doing like it's it's just it's literally the doctor he steals a ship he steals a oh ship oh my god yeah <laughs> he steals a time ship and and runs away and he's a british like indiana jones like 
Han Solo kind of so, character. So we are looking into the window of the alternate universe where Arthur Dalrymple was the doctor instead of Matt oh, Smith. That's, that's, that's what you're what, telling me. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay. I'm watching and, this and his companions <laughs> And his companions are Captain Cold, Heat Wave, Firestorm, and the Atom. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And Hot Girl. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, it, it's really uh, – it's really distracting <laughs> watching he's such Arthur Darwin. Yeah, he's such a nerd, and and he's like the complete polar opposite in Legends of Tomorrow. All all, the, all this really did. It it is distracting, but all it really did was make me go, "Wow, Arthur Darvill's a really great actor." <laughs> That's it's it's impressive. Um, he but, was also uh, in Once. He was. I thought about that too, but I've never, I've never seen him in once. So I always wanted to, but he didn't do it for very long. Um, something else I thought was weird. Scott. Something else I thought that was weird and a little for Moffat. Moffat is usually Moffat is usually pretty smooth with his writing. Like his writing, it tends to be. It doesn't tend to be clunky. Sure, it's swift. It's like Sorkin-y kind of almost. Yeah, but the the scene where Amelia or well Amy is pretending to be a cop is really ham handed and awkward and weird. Who is she talking to? She's not talking to anyone. She's That's wearing so, a costume. So, She's just so talking weird. into a toy. She's just talking <laughs> into a toy. It's so weird watching this, knowing that she's lying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It re- it only works before you know that that's that she's lying because she's selling it so weirdly well. Yeah, and like that line where he's she's like she was like she was like I've got him apprehended. He says he knows something about Amelia Pond. Yeah, I'm like, why would she say that? Why to no like, one. To no one. Like, she's a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, at the time, it's like, ooh, what happened to Amelia Pond? Is she missing? Yeah. Is she no, she's just a crazy kissogram talking into her, like, like concealer or, like, her like her cell phone. Not yeah, even her cell phone. Part of her costume. Just part of her yeah. costume. Oh, yeah. It comes with a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Which is a weird, a weird part of her costume. <laughs> you don't need a walkie-talkie. Magic Mike doesn't come in when like riot gear. <laughs> yeah. The first was the first promotional still of her in that costume. No, I think it was like her weird red blanket thing that she wears. Yeah. Oh, that like baggy red sweater. Yeah. Is that what that was? It always looked like it was made of silk. I don't know. No, it was a sweater. I think. I think so. Well, it's stupid. I'm glad she's dead. Who, series five. Promo picks. Um, no, it was it was all the promo picks were her in the really short jean skirt and the and the like rusty red t shirt like like oh, top yeah. with, with the leather okay. with the black leather short sleeve jacket right yeah man she must have been so cold while they filmed all of these <laughs> yeah I bet. I don't think I ever. I don't think she ever wore pants. Just in uh, Beast Below with her with her gym jams. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I um, 
I also something else that I really like about this because it's like it's one of those things. Like I imagine, like I said, that Moffat um, has probably been thinking about this for so long. You know that this was like part of his initial Dream. idea. Mm-hmm. But like I love that they incorporate the 10th doctor's costume into the story of this post regeneration. Oh thing. yeah. Like they don't just get him out of the costume as soon as possible and into right. a new one. They're just like, no, no, it's part of the story. This is the raggedy doctor. This, this transitional period before he gets his real costume and is cemented as the 11th doctor forever. He's the raggedy doctor, this little in between transitional period. And I gotta say, he 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 wears the the tenant outfit really well. Yeah, in a weird like, way. Yeah, like, it looks cool on him. It does. Looks like a cool IT guy. Yeah, he's all <laughs> and it's all like tore up and and it's like too small. It's like too big for him because he's not as tall as tenant. Yeah, it's cool. Whereas, like when you look at you know the eleven to twelve transition. Like I feel like it would have been more interesting for because like twelve is in is in Jim Jams most of the yeah most of uh, Deep Breath right. and uh, it's it's like he goes from the Eleventh Doctor's purple outfit to Jim Jams to the outfit that we see him in later. Well, he's in that like top hat thing, right? Isn't that sure. a thing? Yeah. Um. But but then he's in but then he's in his Twelfth Doctor and like his Twelfth Doctor outfit isn't really that much different than the 11th doctor's purple outfit it, it's just like a his suit is now made out of a weirder material right <laughs> right it would have been really interesting to see 12 in this 11th doctor outfit first i just i just don't when i don't that's just not what i think about when i think of 12 is that weird the purple outfit. costume i just I, i'm always gonna think of like t-shirt Hoodie, blazer. Oh, oh, 12. Oh, 12, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's how I feel too, for sure. I feel like, I feel like 12's outfit is more of a vibe than it is, (laughs) like, a costume. Like an outfit, yeah. It's a way of life. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, there's always going to be some kind of sweater. There's always going to be, like, like an undershirt and a, and a jacket. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. It's just, it's just sort of like a, a vibe. That's why it always throws me when he's not when when it when it seems like the doctor is like more business, like in like yeah. the the proper twelve outfit. It always feels weird. He's like that's not him. Yeah, he's it, like a, he's it, like a cool retired dad. It, and it <laughs> looks like his clothes his clothes like are best when they look like he like pulled them out of like a laundry hamper. Mm-hmm. Like a dirty laundry hamper, yeah, and just like throw like them on. Yeah, yeah, those. That's the best. Um, anyway, we should stop talking about it. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to be talking about Karen Gillan's um, a really good actress. She is really good. I I for, I kind of missed Amy. I mean, I did miss Amy. Fun Amy. Yeah, fun Amy. <laughs> I missed. Yeah, I missed Amy. Um. Oh God, it's weird. I'm looking at the Wikipedia and it like specifically calls out Fun Amy. Amelia Pond praying to Santa Claus in her bedroom and it's nineteen ninety-six. It's like, oh, I never really thought about like what year what yeah. like, like legitimately what year it was. Yeah, because you're like, yeah. it's the past. Yeah. That's weird. 
That's how old I was in 1996, guys. Nineteen ninety-six in in uh it's Easter time, which would have been like April, March, April ish. Nineteen ninety-six, so it's like two months away from the uh TV movie. There you go. You There's still there. time. There's still time. They could have stopped it. Um, you still stand the time. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I like as far as the use of time travel? The what? the proof that he has only been gone for him like like an hour. Oh yeah, that's so clean. Oh, the apple. With the apple. Yeah, yeah, with the apple. That's great. Cuz all I can ever think about is like <laughs> when Amelia's like, "Yeah, my my mom used to carve faces into the apple." And I was like, "Yeah, but by the time you get to lunch, that would be brown. Who wants to eat that?" <laughs> yeah, it, would, it would look like a freaking Rob Zombie movie in your pocket. <laughs> no. Like you have a shrunken head in your in your pocket. It's terrible. <laughs> Awful. Also, just imagining Amy's mom just like losing herself for a minute while like carving with a knife into the apple. Yeah, <laughs> mom. Oh, sorry, Amelia. Just, just thinking of your father. Just thinking of the blade. Aww. What's under the apple so clearly? <laughs> Smoothly the butter. <laughs> um, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> so I really like. I really like. Uh, I really like Raggedy Doctor. I like it as a. As a, <laughs> I like how everyone in the neighborhood knows about him. I like I like the idea of young Amelia, like you know Pollyanna or like Anne of Green Gables, just like running around the town and like you know yelling about her raggedy doctor. Yeah, and I, and I love she calls and I love that she made Rory dress up. <laughs> yeah, which has so many layers. Oh, it's so good. I love that. Um. Uh yeah, something else I didn't notice I, I I didn't notice until this time. Like I I guess I'd never really like looked at it critically, but like when when the uh the uh what are those dudes called the Atraxi yeah, yeah the Atraxi when the Atraxi show up in the over the field and Prisoner Zero is like chilling as that dude and the dog <laughs> and um. He's like, oh, they're they're looking for alien hardware, and they're gonna find it because nothing says alien like a sonic screwdriver. And he like fires it up, and all of the lights start blowing out mm-hmm. and everything. And I guess I never, it never occurred to me because like I always just thought like, oh, he did that, and he blew out the lights, and then it died. And it didn't occur to me that he also like made that poor woman in the electric wheelchair oh, yeah. like. Go- Go out of control and send the fire truck that right. he's going to drive later, <laughs> like just like down the street. Like, I, I, like I, I guess it never really occurred to me that th- th- those were because of his uh, sonic <laughs> screwdriver. Not very yeah. safe. Not very no. safe. That poor that woman was- in the electric wheelchair, though. Seriously. Like, oh, oh god, damn you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Someday um, you're gonna have a Senate hearing, and I'm gonna hide a bomb under your seat. Oh my god! Then you'll see. <laughs> absolute power corrupts absolutely, Senator. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Have some tea. <laughs> um. Yeah, I. I what I. I'm not. Um. I like Prisoner Zero. As a as a care as like a shape shifting character, like I think that's cool. I'm 
confused about the logistics of the snake thing, though. Like, where is it? <laughs> Why does it where have to be a coming snake? from? Yeah, where does it hang off of when it's yeah. from the ceiling? It, like, it, it, it reminds me of old Spider-Man cartoons when you <laughs> see Spider-Man and he's like web-slinging above the city and you're just like, is he just like attaching to clouds? What is yeah. he attaching to? <laughs> he's just like left, right, left, right, <laughs> yeah. left. Um, yeah. I do like that at one point, uh, Prisoner Zero assumes the form of BAFTA award-winning actress Olivia Coleman. <laughs> but what a waste of Olivia Coleman! What a yeah. weird way for Olivia Coleman to be in Doctor Who. Oh, just a waste. It's a waste. It's like that one incredible actress that plays Liz Ten. Right. Totally. But yeah, but, but Olivia Coleman's like worse because she could be the she could be the Doctor. Oh, totally. I think she should be the Doctor. Ugh. Yeah, but they're not gonna they're not gonna double cast someone twice. Yeah, in a row. It's well, tradition. They did that for companions. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I I mean, double cast them twice in a row, as the in doctor. like Capal. Yeah, the doctor, as in Capaldi was a dude, and then was the doctor, and right. They're not gonna. The next doctor is not gonna be another dude and then the doctor you know what i mean like Catherine tate is the doctor because they 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 bent over backwards trying to explain why capaldi was capaldi oh god you're right they're not gonna they're not gonna do it again because they 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 probably feel obligated to do that again yeah i guess so yeah um she could be a she could be a cool companion though she could play the same character because the character is in a coma she could have woken up from the coma what did I miss? Yeah. What did I <laughs> miss? Become a, become a companion. What did I miss? That'd be cool. Um, the the scene where the doctor like goes into that Skype call conference call with all the scientists. Oh, on Jeff's I, laptop. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Matt Smith's performance of that scene is like really weird. Cause, Cause, he's like mumbling his speech, fellas. Yeah, it's like it's like sometimes he's talking to himself, sometimes he's talking to them, sometimes he's talking to Jeff. But it always sounds like he's talking to them. Yeah. But 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 like but, he's narrating but, what he's sending them. Like yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just a weird a diagram of yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a really weird performance of that moment. <laughs> um, maybe it's how he was directed. Maybe I don't know. Really we'll never know. It's oh. not. It's not like it feels like he should be more presentational than he is in yeah. that moment. Well, he does have like thirty minutes. Maybe he's just like, okay, here's what I'm sending you, so you don't get confused. Keep up with me. But you know what? You just performed it better than Matt Smith did in that moment. Oh, well, thank you. Because <laughs> you sounded you sounded urgent. He doesn't yeah. sound urgent. Like he sounds like he's just like ah, whatever, guys. You know, like I just. <laughs> I'm gonna send you this thing, and then, and then you know, maybe you want to use it, or maybe you don't. Like, I just wanted like one of the scientists to be like, "What? <laughs> what's he say? What's he saying? What? <laughs> um, Why is that mole rat talking to us? <laughs> Why is he wearing a little suit? Um, one of the things that I really like there's that moment where uh, Prisoner Zero like turns into the Doctor. And the is like, that's rubbish. Who's that supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't had time to look at himself in a mirror yet. Yeah. Um, 
I really like that moment. But what I really like about that moment is what it says about the nature of the doctor and Amy, because mm-hmm. when he's like, well, how, how is it being me? And then, and then Amelia steps out and, and, you know, as like prisoner zero as Amelia and Amelia's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not the doctor. I'm, I'm her. And she's just thinking about you. But I, I like what it says about the two of them because it's not – it reminds me of like the guy and the dog. <laughs> Only in this case, like the dog is the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that is uh, very uh, accurate to the relationship of Amy and the doctor because she really does treat him like a p- pet. Kind like of. a childhood pet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I just I there was something I noticed this time. I really liked that. Um, and then the ran, uh, that runs away and doesn't come back for like twenty years. Yeah, and then uh, and then the doctor calls the Atraxi back after they arrest uh, Prisoner Zero, and we get that like. I I will say I understand Moffat's instinct to have Amy be like really into the doctor sexually. Oh yeah, that's like, like I, I understand the instinct. I don't like I, like like intellectually I understand it. It's like, well yeah, if you're gonna have like this adventury guy who's like mysterious and cool and yeah, and you know, and he's attractive, like he's yeah, you young. why wouldn't you be into that? You know, like I, I understand it intellectually. It's just, man, there's something weird about her just like watching him naked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's clearly someone that doesn't really know how that happens in real life. You know? Yeah. It, it's like it's like it's it's like right. That's how women check out guys. Where it's like, oh, right in front of your like kind of boyfriend. Right. Yeah. And that and that bothers me too. And I understand that like Amy has some growing to do as a as a character. And it just feels like sitcom Yeah. I understand that it's part of her arc that she grows and like learns to appreciate Rory for, for who he is and not try to chase like, you know, a grass is always greener situation. Right. And so like I understand that, but like it just it all comes off very false and and, and weird. And and I think yeah. that's ultimately that's ultimately, you know, Moffat's to blame for that, and I just, yeah, you know, I mean, he, like, he has trouble with female characters because well, you yeah. know, it's a really good example of that same joke. Is there's a really great like three panel joke in Hawkeye where like Clint is like changing shirts in the car while Kate is like driving, uh-huh. and there's like one panel where her like sunglasses go down. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and she's like, he's like, Clint, and I'm like, what? Really? Seriously, with the abs and the, and like that feels honest, right? Because like you know, we've all had moments where we like, oh wow, my platonic friend is like really attractive, you know? Uh-huh. And that's just not how that <laughs> moment happens in real right. life. I mean, yeah, like here she looked at him almost predatory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. Which is like, again. I'm going to get that. Which is like a normal reaction for like someone to have with someone, but not that person with that person. Next to that other person. All of a sudden, just because he's like, has his clothes off. Right. 
It's uh, it's, it's, like it's, it's weird. And, and and there was like a weird like confidence level of the doctor just being like, you can look away if it makes you uncomfortable. And you're just like, <laughs> okay, like the doctor, that's not the doctor. Like he would just he wouldn't say anything about it. He would just change because he doesn't care. Yeah, like it, he wouldn't like. Just be like, oh, if my like, nakedness makes you so right. uncomfortable. Because he's calling attention to it. He wouldn't do that. He would just be like, all right, clothes are coming off now. Like- yeah, there's a, and I feel like there's another in the, you know, in the greatest episode of the shows ever made, The Lodger, uh, there's also a scene <laughs> where uh, the doctor appears naked and like a woman has like a positive reaction to it. But that, mm-hmm. I remember that moment feeling a lot more natural because I think Matt Smith reacted the way that the doctor would. Even in uh, remember the the episode the the Christmas special where um, he has the uh, he's like walking around naked or whatever and everyone sees him as naked oh, but he's not yeah. Naked. yeah 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 and like that's a like it's a stupid joke but it's like it's doctory you know mm-hmm. like the fact that he's not even taking into consideration like that's more doctory than this moment where he's like really confident about his naked body he's like right. shaking his little booty. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> little baby butt. You just like prepare, prepare yourself <laughs> for this. Straight You're gonna want this. All of this. You're gonna want this. Oh my I god! I used to play football. <laughs> I used to play football till I hurt my ankle. No, I. Don't. <laughs> um, I uh, I the the scene on the roof is one of my all time favorite scenes in Doctor Who. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's so good. Where he steps out of like the the screen, and he's just like you know he's got his bow tie, and it's so good. Oh, and he just that that line like, "Hello, I'm the Doctor." Basically, run, run, yeah. Oh, so good. It's kind of like he does everything that David Tennant does in the Christmas Invasion, but with that one monologue. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good, and it's a very cool precursor. It's the first of. uh, you know, two or three, three or four great uh, Matt Smith monologues. Right. I mean, you got the you got the one in Pandorica. You got the one in Rings of Akaten, which is not as celebrated, but I personally really love that scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really, really great moment. And uh, and then uh, <laughs> the Doctor <laughs> just like. He just gets out of there for two more years. <laughs> now, how long was it? Was it like six months or like eight months? No, it's two, two years. years. Oh, it's two years. Oh, my God. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he takes a lap around the moon and it took him two years. So Amy has already seen episode eight. <laughs> no, because it's 2010. But, you know, like if it happened today. Oh, oh, yeah. He would right. have already seen episode eight. Right. Wait, no, no. That means that that means that the Prisoner Zero stuff was 2008. Right. Wait. wait no. Yeah, yeah, because the end of the episode is 2010, the year that the episode came out. Oh, that's okay, so they returned to the present. Well, well, he he finally makes it to the present. Yeah, so it ends with we're caught up with reality. Right. That's yeah, it says, it says on Wikipedia, it says Ledworth, 96, 2008, and 2010. But then it would be like, because isn't, isn't the gap between 
his initial meeting of Amelia and then with the Prisoner Zero stuff, isn't that 10 years? 12 years. 12, okay. Yeah, because so then it's 14. 14 altogether. Yeah, okay. 14 altogether. So the entire, the entire time Solomon Northrup was a slave. <laughs> I wonder how, how old Amy is. Hmm. At the start of her adventure? But yeah, how old is she in 96, would you say? Oh, 96. Like eight or nine. Yeah. Like eight or nine. All right. Well, so let's, let's cut. Le- okay. So eight so or nine. She's how, like how old? 22. So she's like, yeah. So she's 20 in when, when he meets her again and then 22. I don't like that. She's not, she is oh. not, she looks older than that to me. Sure. Well, how old is Karen Gillan in real life? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. You can look up. Let me go see. <laughs> It'll just have to just tell you. Name. Um, she's thirty, right? Born in Scotland, doesn't say a time frame. Her Wikipedia says nothing about how old she is. So she's ageless. She could be. She could be thousands <laughs> of years old. Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. Um, she directed a really good uh, short film that's on YouTube. Really? Yeah, I, I forgot the name of it, but she plays an actress that was in a horror, a cult horror film from the two thousands. And she's, she's 28. She's 28. Okay. And currently. So that means that when 11th hour, she would would be 22 and six years ago. Wow. Yeah. Man, she really, uh, she really hit that. She really hit that sweet spot of being, Looking older than twenty two, but oh, totally. being twenty two and getting to getting <laughs> to play like like young hot women for like an extended period of time. She's kind of like um, she's just she's just. I think she looks mature. Like I remember not being able to believe that I'm older than like Kate Upton. Yeah, she does. She, she looks Kate mature. Up- yeah. Um, um, remember selfie guys? Remember selfie? Oh, uh, that TV show. Yeah, with John, John the Man Show. John Show. John Cho is romantic lead. Damn. Yeah. Have you guys been keeping up with uh, hashtag John Cho and everything? Yes. Yeah. It's so good. It's great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I guess she's uh, she's twenty in two thousand eight, and then uh, twenty two in uh, two thousand ten. Huh. You know what scene I don't like, and I don't think I've ever liked it. It's that scene what? where he's like out in the field, and he's like. Looking at all the stuff, yeah, and it's like it's like that clicking noise, and it's it's very like methodical. Like he goes from like point A to like point B, and it's like very Sherlock. Yeah, yeah it is I very Sherlock. I really don't like that scene either. It, it's and I've it always never comes tried, up again. Yeah, yeah, I've always tried to like justify it somehow in my brain, but I yeah. I can't, I've never been able to. It's it's a it, weird. It's like the pilot haircut of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we really will weird. never do this again. Yeah. yeah. Eh, really weird. It just it did not work at all. Was Sherlock out yet? No. No. Oh, wow. No. So Moffat was like, I don't, I didn't crack it this time, but I think I still can. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's just the director was different. Oh, no. Sherlock came out the same year. Oh. oh. Sherlock and um, Sherlock and uh, Doctor Who and Doctor Who. He, 
did both the same year. He started both the same year. It's crazy. Must have been so tired. When was when did season one premiere? In July. Uh, so like three months after this, three or four months. Yeah, this was April, first yeah. of April. Um, yeah, so like four months. Four. It's uh, like end of world. July. So it was like it was like five months later. Yeah, but no one knew who Benedict Cumberbatch was. Benedict Cumberbatch was almost the Doctor. Wow. God, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, and they offered it to him, and and basically he was like, "Hey, I want you to do either of these." So, you can and be- Matt Smith was almost um, Watson. Yeah, I did not know that. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah they they thought that uh, Moffat said that he was really good, but they thought he was a bit too like Matt Smithy. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I dislike Sherlock, I can't imagine Watson being anyone other than Martin Freeman, though. Oh my god, the best part of Civil War is people's reactions when the Martin when Martin Freeman is revealed. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird that they're both in the Marvel universe now. I know, I hate it. <laughs> and they'll never meet. They will never there's no way they would ever meet. Yeah. Cuz all the all the Sherlock fan like I don't know. Most of my like antagonistic feelings about Sherlock come from like the 15% of the fandom that's like completely bonkers. Oh, the fandom's always the problem. Yeah. So, like, now that it's in the MCU, I'm just like, please keep your filthy Sherlock weird AU crossovers away from me. Because <laughs> it, it happened with The Hobbit, and I'm just like, I don't need to see this with my two eyes. Like, please. Oh, just yeah. Keep it I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Behold my golden bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Smaug. I've been using the visual of people laying on their bellies surrounded by gold like <laughs> twice to describe people like this week like separately <laughs> like sliding down a mountain of gold like i'm just i'm really in love with the visual of like a fat dragon like just like a dragon is like an old like alaskan malamute just like surrounded Aww. by gold <laughs> Sure. Um, I mean, now, as far as uh, as far as Matt Smith is Watson, I I don't think I think when Matt Smith was going to be Watson, it was under the impression that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be the Doctor. So like Matt Smith would have had a different Sherlock. <laughs> so that's would have been really different. Yeah. yeah. So so like it would have been a totally different thing. I think. I don't know. I think everything fell into place quite nicely. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny I can't if imagine. they made like like a Red Nose Day video where like that all happened. Oh, that'd be interesting. What were you gonna say, Cass? Oh, I can't imagine Benedict Cumberbatch as the doctor. Especially not like the eleventh doctor. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like I feel like if Benedict Cumberbatch was the doctor, we would have gotten like Peter Capaldi doctor like way sooner. Yeah, he just strikes me as kind of like crotchety. I don't know. Um, well, you would think that, but I think he's only getting cast as crotchety stuff because of Sherlock. That's fair. Prior, prior to Sherlock, he was in uh, a radio a radio drama for BBC um, called uh, Cabin, Cabin Pressure. Cabin yeah, Pressure. the the airplane one, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's. He's a goofball on yeah. that. Like 
he's like he's like a total goofball um and so like i could see that that alternate like that fork in the road of him just being like well i could continue playing a goofball but doing it as the doctor or i could start taking myself a little more seriously and play sherlock but still get to do the fun stuff like i could see as a as a career decision why he went with sherlock over i really like him in warhorse for like all 15 minutes that he's there like yeah he's good yeah he's always super good. good yeah I think, and I also, I'm hoping Never that, I'm also hoping that, uh, Dr. Strange is more like fun than it looks. Yeah. Uh, cause that would be, that would be nice. He's literally playing the Grinch. He is playing the Grinch. Are they doing yeah. another one of those? Yeah. CGI one. Oh God. It's the people who made like the Lorax and, uh, oh, Lord. Hort- Horton hears a who. And the minions. And the minions. Oh god. Yeah. Which is on Netflix. <laughs> oh good. Glad to hear about it. Um Yeah, so uh let's talk about real quick, I want to talk about the uh the TARDIS interior. Because good. it looks a lot smaller to me <laughs> now than it did when I first saw it. Well, that happens sometimes when you grow up, Scott. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think and this is good. one of my favorite TARDIS interiors. It's really good. It's really Like watching yeah. this again with the reveal, I'm just like, oh man, it's so good to see this TARDIS again. And I remember the first time like watching it, I like lost my, like, I don't know. It was so good. I don't, there's something it's... about, there's something about this, because it's super... It looks like it makes no sense, but it also like is functional, mm-hmm. and I it fits Matt Smith's personality really well, especially like this yeah. early Doctor. It, it looks like a Doctor Seuss drawing. Yeah, like it looks mm-hmm. like if Doctor Seuss designed the TARDIS, this is what it would look like. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's really great. It's really, really great. Like I, I, I really love this TARDIS a lot. Uh, I like. I like how, like, ever since um, this TARDIS, like, this TARDIS and, like, the next two, I mean, they're both pretty similar, but the next two TARDISes after this, they use that vertical space um, mm-hmm. rather than just uh, just horizontal space, uh, you know, because you have, like, the under the undercarriage of the TARDIS console and stuff. Right. Like, I just, I really like that. I think it's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I really like this TARDIS interior. What do you, what do you, do you like it, Nick? It's, yeah. I mean, the more, the more we we reflect on like the 11th doctor and like Matt Smith and like, you know, the cat in the hat doctor and the, you know, the man with the crazy box, it, I think like, I think if I could like boil down like the 11th doctor into like a sentence, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's like how a child imagines he or she will be like when they grow up. Yeah. Like yeah. Like a, it's like oh yeah, when I'm grown up, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to live my, me and my best friend Amy are going to travel the stars and like I'll have a time machine, but it'll be made out of like like gears and like stuff that I think is cool. Yeah. And like I'm not going to like girls are weird. But then later girls don't get weird. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, and I, I remember there's this quote that um, Stephen Moffat had about Matt Smith, the actor, um, like personally, where he was like, he's Matt Smith reminds me of a young man as remembered by an old man. Hmm. That's interesting. I like that. Where he's sort of like, he embodies a sort of like nostalgic or wish fulfillmenty view of like young adulthood or like, a, you know, adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the theory of like how every doctor is an answer to the doctor before them. Like mm-hmm. I, I like, I like the 11th doctor as an answer to the 10th doctor who just got so bogged down with bad memories and drama and, you know, was so like broken hearted all the time. And then like you get this doctor from that doctor because he's just like in denial now, you know, like he's just still young. I party with the kids. Yeah. He's just, (laughs) he's just carefree and in denial and it's great. I'm going to marry Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Well, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, then we get the wedding gown. I I love the uh, I love the, that Amy was just like it's been two years, and Amy just has all of this Amy doctor doctor shipping craft shipping crafts like everywhere <laughs> fan art like all of yeah fan art and and arts and crafts just like it's so it's so funny like it's just all out. What if there was one piece of like Rory Doctor art, <laughs> like slash? She allowed art. herself to go there once, <laughs> just like once in middle school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Am I into this? What? No, no. <laughs> I like the idea because I know it's like sitting out in her bedroom, but I like the idea of her like pulling all of her old kid stuff out, like just kind of like sitting there. Like oh, yeah, the night before her wedding. Yeah, like, because, like, I don't know, I have a box of, like, old stuff when I used to play with as a kid, and, like, I mean, it's, I don't, like, there's just no point for me to have it, but it's there, and, yeah. like, so, like, I like the idea that she's at this crossroads, she's like, you know, like, you know, this was cool, but it's been two years, and he's probably never coming back, and I'm going to be married tomorrow, so maybe I should, settle. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Rory's so good, but like, and then he comes back, and she's just like, "Oh, okay." So, oh, so I, funny. Like, did I mention it's a time machine? And she's like, "And that was the uh, that was the same thing that got Rose on board." Yeah, <laughs> it's a big attractive. It's a big attraction. Yeah, I mentioned it. We it also travels in time. Could you imagine if it was the other way around? Like, where somebody's like, yeah, I have this time machine. Oh, yeah, 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 I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> if I mentioned it also travels in space. I can go to the past version of planets I've never been to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like the TARDIS versus the DeLorean. Because the DeLorean oh. always go- only goes so far as you can drive it. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. you're you're pretty much stuck in, like, a region. But the TARDIS mm-hmm. is just like, whatever. No rules. Yeah. You know, it'd be a great, like, Back to the Future 4, like, reveal is, like, but, but, Doc, we're in, we're in Italy. Yeah? Well, so's this bitch. And then, like, the truck <laughs> door opens, and, like, the DeLorean is now, like, in freaking Italy. <laughs> the international Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, that's why the TARDIS, I think, is, like, 
the greatest vehicle, like fictional vehicle, mm-hmm. um, in uh, like just in everything. It's the ultimate things. vehicle. Yeah, it's all. It's just it's the greatest thing ever. You can it's draw it in the background of any comic or cartoon. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a home. It's a vehicle. <laughs> it's just like endlessly spacious. I, and it's I, a, and it's I, a girl and I just sometimes. Really like, I really like Moffat referencing it as more than just the console room. Oh yeah. Like the library, like the swimming pool. The swimming pool and the library and, and the way things move around where just like ah, it'll it'll come up. Like you know, the cat. I'll find it again. And then, yeah, and I just it it's something that Russell T never really did. Like he really just treated the TARDIS as the tar- as the console room and then like some vague off screen area that characters <laughs> other would walk in from occasionally. Yeah. Cause the only oh. other time that we see a space in the TARDIS, I don't know, I might be wrong about this, but like in the Christmas invasion, he has that wardrobe room. Right. And then we never see it again. Right. I, I think you're right. I think that's the only time in, in the entire Russell T. Davies era. Which is weird to think about because we've, you know, been like journey to the center of the TARDIS and whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Oswin. So, uh, so yeah, how about that coming soon trailer? Woof. That got me excited. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to watch all of it. I, still I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I really did like this this season a lot. Oh, my God. Oh, so much good stuff. Like, and it, and it has, like, fond memories for me, too, just because – you know that this season is the season that started this show. Yeah, um, it was a really fun time to be a, a, a Hoovian. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It was a major but, transition. It was a big. Yeah, the big show big felt change. like it, the show felt like it had some buzz that it hadn't in a long time. Yeah. So Scott, what is our next episode? Our next episode is the Cavemen, a three-part story for the first Doctor. Mm-hmm.